Attention, podcast listener. We've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries, including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1. That's 13 episodes. That is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where we fail at every attempt at masonry. I'm your host, Bach Hibachi Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert and I'm shaving my shoulders. <laughs> and who do we have on the line? It's me, Kate Raft. Excellent. And today's episode is Mom and Pop Art. But you'll have to live with the guilt of ruining my Saturday. Can you live with that, Marge? Huh? Can you? Yep. Can you? Today's episode aired on April 11th, 1999, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, Backstreet Boys' I Want It That Way single is released, Never Been Kissed, Can't Unseat the Matrix from the Top of the Box Office, and Old Town Road creator Little Nas X is born on oh this god. very day. Really? What a, a monumental day in music history. The, the greatest song of all time, the biggest song of all time, perhaps. Move over Thriller and Achy Breaky Heart. Uh, old Town Road saying, I couldn't believe when I saw that. I was like, no, they can't be the same guy, right? And like, yes, he he was born when we were watching this episode. It's one of those songs that's huge, but I still haven't heard. Can you believe that? Wait, I, are you serious? I've never heard it. I've somehow... I want it that way. Oh no, uh, the Old Town Road song. Oh, old yeah. Town. I thought you were like saying you've never heard the Backstreet Boys. Oh song. no, I was like very worried. I was a teenager when that song came out, so I heard it about fifty thousand times. Okay, good. I, I I think I know all the lyrics. If you ask me to write them down, I think I could write them down. Okay, good. Thank God. Well, you haven't heard Old Town Road. I've never heard Old Town Road. Wow. I mean, it's an instant classic. Maybe it's because, like, I have no ads on anything and I don't listen to the radio. I guess I don't know where it would find me. It has to find you whenever you're ready for it, I think. (laughs) Have you at least seen Jimmy Fallon's parody of it with Bernie Sanders singing? Oh, oh my God. God, no. That's a Kate AM classic. <laughs> we do like a thing on, on Jack AM, my Twitch show, where um, my husband Jack finds like political parody songs and we play them on Fridays. It's called Political Parody for Friday. So fucking stupid. <laughs> But there is one where Jimmy Fallon, well, Jimmy Fallon does a lot of political parody songs, and one of them is he does Old Town Hall about Bernie Sanders. Like, the only joke is that he's old. Old, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, he wouldn't great. make that joke about Biden. I gotta say, I, I feel like he would not make a joke about Biden being old. The way I, I mean, Biden's also like so much more like falling apart in an elderly way than Bernie Sanders. But whatever. 
And uh, Never Been Kissed, the Drew Barrymore classic. Uh, I just read an article about, uh, is Lily Sobieski in that movie? I think she is, yes. Let's just say she is for the sake of this conversation. I just read an article about yeah, her. Yeah, she is. Okay, I th- yeah, mini Helen Hunt. Everyone has made that comparison before. Well, now Helen is alone on a Movie Star Mountain because she is retired from the business. She's been retired for a oh, while. Oh, Lily, yeah, I guess yeah. I haven't seen her in anything. She's uh, now an artist, like a fine artist, I think. Really? So it fits in with this episode, yeah. Oh, it's kind of cool. It actually kind of looks like she drew Homer's uh, barbecue. Oh, man. This is... We're already getting art knowledge here. I I forget Drew Barrymore's love interest in that. Who was it? It wasn't Paul Rudd. Isn't it like a secretly creepy movie because she comes back to high school like undercover as an adult to kiss children or something? Oh, yeah. I never thought about it that way. And then falls... It's weird. I think then she falls in love with a teacher. Yes. Which yeah. is also weird. She wanted to get a kiss from an 18-year-old boy, I guess, which is not illegal. Well, that's like, remember in um, Pineapple Express? Express? There we in go. Pineapple Express, they set up in the beginning he's dating an 18-year-old who is in high school, played by Amber Heard. And it's just like, that's weird. Why, why, why is this a needed character detail? Makes it more likable, right? Yes. Yeah. Different time. Different, t- different time. 2008. 2008. Yeah. 2008. Yeah, different time. Uh, but hey, Kate Raft, welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be back. And uh, in case folks don't know, you're a writer, comedy performer, Twitch streamer, podcaster. You do Jack AM. This podcast is self-care. Kate Paints, which uh, is very important for A quintuple threat. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. What is it like to be a painter? Is it like Homer in this episode? It's exactly like that. Every one of my paintings starts as a failed um, home goods project. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, my dad used to paint when I was a kid, so he kind of taught me how to work with acrylics. That's and nice. then I kind of toyed with the idea of studying art in college and then ultimately went with writing. But I've taken like a few art classes. I went to art summer camp in high school. And uh, so I've just like kind of always done it. Um, but right now I, I mainly do watercolors. Did uh, this episode bring back any artistic memories for you? I mean, it kind of like reminds me of how bad I am at art history. Like, I feel like most people expect me to know a lot about art history. And I'm just like, always like, I'm just like, I never took an art history class. I like (laughs) truly don't know that much. And it just like, I, I like was barely getting the references. I was like, okay, there's Sunday in the park with George. Uh, that's the famous one. I know who Andy Warhol is, obviously. It was like, you know, I felt like I got some of the references and I was proud of myself for that. I think for the most part, there may be for like 65% of the audience will get them. Yeah. They're, they're still general that's enough. About right. Like I still kind of should be. Yeah. I still kind of don't know who Jasper Johns is, mm-hmm. but uh, he is that. I mean, my reference point for him is this episode. I guess he's a thief. Is yeah. mainly what he is. Nuts for Kate. I was counting on you to explain every reference in this. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm truly not like art literate at all. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, well, folks who didn't hear your previous appearance on the show with this little wiggy, you also have a personal, like, professional connection to The Simpsons as well, right? Yes, I do. I used to work there as a uh, writer's PA for, I think, three years. And so you can go back to that episode and hear all about the lunch orders. Who gets yes. what? <laughs> just you can also just slide into my DMs. I'll tell you all about Ooh. the lunch orders <laughs> of the writers of The Simpsons. I got all the piping hot tea on uh, what they like in their fruit plates. Coming soon in a tell-all book. 
<laughs> yeah, I really should start chopping that around. Uh, well, you know, me and Bob, this brag time, we got to finally got invited to a Simpsons table read uh, since we last recorded with you. So we were curious if we did a- any faux pas while we were there. Oh, my God. I can tell you so much about the table reads. I mean, those were like that was my that was my most important job. I mean, lunch obviously comes first above all. <laughs> but then the second most important thing I, I would do when I worked there was like I would set up the table reads. I would like help bring the conference call phones and set up the phones, get the lunch orders during before the read, get people's guests into the read. I mean, it's a whole thing. It seems like a very elaborate, uh, you know, thing they have going on, but it all went off like clockwork. It was just perfectly organized and perfectly orchestrated. Oh, yeah. Well, they've had many decades to perfect. I mean, it's truly the same method they've used since the beginning of the show, I'm pretty sure. So it's a well-oiled machine. Nothing there. Like, there's not a, a ton of innovation. I think that's in the in the just like organization of the production in terms of like they just use the same like fax cover sheets. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if it's yeah. changed in the last couple of years. It hasn't. That's, no, that's, I, that's how it was. We we got our scripts from the table read and a few extras that were left behind, and it's still the sort of off model season two, uh, maybe Simpsons mm-hmm. drawing or probably oh, that yeah. season one production art. It's great. I love seeing just like oh that looks wrong, but it's great that they kept it this long. There's something like soothing about how unchanging some of the traditions are over at The Simpsons. Like it is like there's like the world may change, you know, it's chaotic out there. It's owned by Disney now. Trump is president. But hey, they're still going to use the same cover sheets. You can still see Homer with an extra line out of his muzzle coming out of his (laughs) muzzle. Exactly. It's comforting. Uh, yeah, so well, would you be one of the people to print the scripts or order the scripts to be yep. printed? Oh, yeah. That was my main job. I would pick the scripts. I would drop the scripts off at the print shop, and then I would pick them back up. And, oh, boy, sometimes there would be a fiasco. Like, a page would be missing. We'd have to get them all reprinted. We'd have to scramble. Sometimes the print shop, like, the person would, like, come in late to work, and the scripts would be ready, and we'd have to, like, rush them over. Oh my God, the drama of getting the scripts to the table read. I'm I mean, and sometimes they come out really late the night before. Wow. Off, oftentimes they don't because The Simpsons doesn't take hiatuses. So they have plenty of time for, for most scripts to be like ready for the table read. Hmm. But sometimes if something needs like a big rewrite or something, you'll be there like kind of late. And it's, that's drama. I'm guessing there's a copy shop on the lot. You don't have to go at the FedEx or whatever uh, on your break to get copies. No, yeah, yeah. The Fox lot, they got, they've got it all. We did ask for some autographs while we were there from voice actors. Was that, is that okay? Or did we? Yes, that's totally okay. That's, that's totally okay. Okay. I remember one time, one time. Nancy, Nancy is so nice about giving autographs and she's like, she's really nice. Um, and she, when, when I first started working there, asked me if I wanted one because she didn't realize I was working there. <laughs> I mean, I did want one. Oh yeah, of course I would too. Yeah. I, I have it somewhere. <laughs> we were on I, our- have a, I have a whole file folder of my Simpsons, like script covers that I've saved. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, think, you can't throw that out. That's like, that's valuable stuff. I'm going to get all my pages framed individually. <laughs> all 44 <laughs> of them. Yeah, I think we were on our best behavior as fans. Uh, we could have, uh, you know, been way more fanboys and fangirls, but uh, we wanted to be respectful. We knew that they were basically at work. Mm-hmm. So, like, the people who were out the door, I was like, I'm not going to chase down Dan Castellaneta or whatever. They have other things going on. But the people who stayed, I'm like, they're staying for a reason. Yeah, you know? if they're rushing out, usually they've got something else to do. Dan's, you know, he's always doing stuff. And 
Yeah, I think they like it. I, I think like it's sort of like fine day to ask for autographs at the table reads. Like that's I think it's nice for that for everyone. I think oh, it's like yeah. a, that's a safe place to ask for some autographs. The writers love to give them to not like not like they're like waiting for someone to ask, but it's just like because when you work on a TV show, you don't always get to see like, you know, in person, like the adoration <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? I assume that they like going to it because uh, Julie Kavner was there and no spoilers for the episode, but she had about three lines. <laughs> oh no so she was like she didn't have to be there for any of that but she was just there and having fun so it was nice to oh, see oh I love that yeah I love Julie was um, mostly on the phones when I was working that's what I've yeah. heard but yeah she would come in every once in a while yeah yeah actually that was a special thing about our this is just more table read talk but yeah this was this was a the thing we'd heard was special about our table read that nobody was on the phone for our one like it was wait all, really yeah well uh Harry wasn't someone there. read Harry's part oh did Chris read Harry's parts uh actually oh, no. Kevin Pollock yes. read Harry's and I'm sorry oh, uh right. our listeners might have just heard our table read podcast we go over all of this but uh yes, yes but yeah Kevin Pollock was there and uh reading Harry's parts and it was uh oh, just a cool. f- nobody on the phone it was yeah, a big hank, event hank was in person too it was oh my god so you really went to a really good one because hank is like uh, well when i worked there it was like it was a very special occasion when he could come in and actually do it man what a treat so is it making this sound even more of a yeah that's treat. a good one do you know can you say whose script it was jeff westbrook jeff westbrook yeah. oh nice westbrook. great yeah, it was uh, it was a fun day. Let's just say what happens in the whole episode. Yeah, we're going to repeat our table read podcast. <laughs> oh. Love it. Uh, no, okay. Well, I'm glad uh, we. I took a Fiji water for the road too. If that's. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're on the Fiji. Okay, so when I was there, they were doing Evian. See, I know the uh, <laughs> the the waters was my job as well. I, you had we had to set the waters out. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. We had to switch from Arrowhead to to Evian because mm. we were in a California drought. And we didn't want to be taking the California water or something. I don't know. I took one of the bathroom fixtures as a souvenir. I hope that wasn't rude. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you took like a faucet? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Just okay. pocketed it. No. Like, yeah. Think of all the That's times. That's not my department. Oh, so okay. I don't care about Or oh, that wasn't my department. I'm not in the bathroom fixture department. There's so much Simpsons writer DNA on that thing. I got to keep I it. I mean, you could clone them. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, at our table read, Al Jean was not there. He was uh, he was off in New York. Uh, so it was. Was it a Selman script? It uh, well, Selman was at least taking the notes. I couldn't tell if it was be- if it was a Selman run episode or if Selman was just taking Al Jean's place in the room because Gene was out of town. I couldn't tell. But. Oh, I mean, I feel like that sounds like a Selman script situation. Mm, okay. I'll, I'll, I feel like, unless something, I don't know, I feel like Al doesn't usually ever mess a read. You know, then I think it is a Selman run one because I know we had heard from Scully he was there too to support Selman in, his, uh, in the episode. So that sounds like a show run one by him. Selman seems right. surprised that we asked for his autograph. But. Really? That's so funny. Yeah, Selman's the best. Man, uh, we should we should have bothered him more and given him our card <laughs> and a spec script. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And hip pocketed. That's the insider term, right? That's yeah, yeah. Slip him mine too. <laughs> I guess uh, why I, I mentioned Al Jean because this is Al Jean's official return as a writer. I know. I, I was Wikipediaing it and I saw that. That was like what a what an iconic moment. Really fun to listen to this commentary recorded 13 years ago where Al Jean is saying up front, like, this is my first return to The Simpsons full time. And whenever I wasn't working on the show as a Disney, I was like, I wish I was on The Simpsons. I hate Disney. I want to come back to The Simpsons so bad. And now guess what, buddy? You're back. You cannot escape Disney. 
I can't believe they're owned by Disney now. That is such a mind fuck. It, uh, it really. Right, can I can I curse? Or oh yeah. Right fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, it every time it hits me, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's a joke by Disney people. But especially it is like Mike Reese too. He talked about how in his book when we interviewed him, he like. He talked about when he was unhappy while working for Disney, but he was he decided to take out specifically saying it was Disney because they just bought Fox when the book came out. Uh, like I, I would oh bet, I would bet Al wouldn't be this open about how much he hated working for Disney then. No, no, they're pretty the, the candid. The critic on the... was was what they're working on was the critic, right? Uh, well, then it was Teen Angel. On oh, okay. But the critic was like a Disney-ish like production deal, right? Because it was ABC. It was a Sony show on ABC, so oh, it definitely okay. was working with Disney. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is when Al. Just went through his uh, creative divorce for Mike Reese. Like, a, well, that makes it sound like negative, but they're still friends. Yeah, Mike Reese just was like, time. "Well, I'm done writing for TV. Yeah. I'm going to go have fun all over the world." He has the best life. I mean, Mike Reese, like, he, I think he made the right choice of like, I've, I'm now a millionaire from television, and I don't have children, so fuck it, I'm going to just fly. He around really has like the best life. His life looks so fun. Also, he still like comes in like once a week, like gets his checks like yeah. then goes content like goes back to wherever he was traveling like it's such a sweet gig mike reese like truly hit the tv jackpot he like, really did and he did it right he did like every time i think of like you know people who got success in hollywood who like work themselves to the bone or whatever i'm like you could also just be mike reese <laughs> and like still be creative and still do whatever you want and also like not work that hard like get to get to have fun i like that no matter like mike reese has a real like vacation uniform too whenever i see pictures of him it's always him in a tucked in rugby shirt and shorts he's in real uh, like he's not a dad that. but he's wearing vacation dad gear at all times mm-hmm. yeah he's like he's definitely got he and his wife have a, a distinct sense of style and i appreciate that <laughs> about them uh and it, yeah it's wild to think that gene came back just as a you know a member of the writing staff in season 10 20 years ago and then in season 13 he'll be show running which he's still doing to this day like, i know that's uh, so wild i can't even think about i can't even picture a world in which al is just a staff writer <laughs> yeah it's uh it's I, so ingrained in my brain in our in our interview with Scully, he talked about how it was just a no no brainer for him to hire Al Jean when he was when he was free. And once his deal with Disney was up and he was uncoupled from Reese, he's, Scully was like, "No, let's let's get him in." Let's yeah, I mean, Scully basically hired back George Meyer yeah. too, so yeah. he was interested in getting some of the old old schoolers back on the staff too. Scully's the man. <laughs> we love Mike Scully. He's love so Mike good. Scully. And yeah, this episode, I think it has a lot of the, you know, the ups and downs of Gene's solo writing work in it, I think. I think there's some really, like, nice sentimental moments, and I also think that in this age of the Scully years is marked by Homer being, like, a very cruel man. I, <laughs> I think I think Gene especially tries to make Homer at least understandable and loving in the third act. Yeah, yeah. there's, like, a sort of sweetness to, to Al's homers. Yeah, I think the cruelty from uh, Al's homer is that he has a very one-track mind. If he's focused on something, he will like dismiss everything else, which we see with his art career here. And we also see the return of things, like little set pieces that Al and uh, Mike use a lot in their seasons, like the margin Homer in bed scene. Mm-hmm. Like, basically... 
halfway through an episode, like, let's put them in bed, have them talk about the episode. Like, that happened so much in the Al Jean and Mike Reese years, and even in, like, David Merkin's years as well. It was a set yeah. piece that Mike Scully kind of lost for more uh, heightened comedy. Yeah, well, and also it does have the uh, the kind of modern Simpsons thing of guest stars who were just themselves, like, hey, Jasper Yeah, Thomas. true. Uh, even Isabella Rossellini technically not playing herself, but looks exactly like herself. Yes. Too. Right. I think this is a stronger episode than the last couple Gene oversaw in the uh, satellite office years. I think because they just have the benefit of a full rewrite room instead of just like four four extra writers on the script. Like For they sure. can just give it another you know coat of paint. You know this episode about the modern art world. I never, I never really looked too much into modern art. I, it seemed like, uh, you know, pretentious to me. I suppose the only stuff I could get into would be like pop art because it took like a fun comic book page and recontextualized it. Yeah. And now I think it's just a way for billionaires to launder money. It but, is yeah. <laughs> in a way. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's I've, true. I wish like someone would buy my. I wish some billionaire would launder money through my art. That would be nice. <laughs> Um, I should start. I should start hammering things together. I feel like my tastes have really changed in uh, both art and literature. When I was in col, I was in college for like almost a decade. I went to grad school too. So when I was there, it was like I want the things I uh, read and you know absorb to uh, you know reflect how smart I am. Mm-hmm. So of course it was all of like the approved boomer white authors like uh, Philip Roth and John Irving, and of course all the art was just very highfalutin. But now, like after I got out of grad school, I was like you know what? I like genre stuff and I like sure. pop stuff. And uh, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that now. I, I think you have to ask yourself, like, do I only know who Jasper Johns is so I sound smart when I say, oh, right. that reminds me of Jasper Johns? Like, I like modern art. I think I, I like some modern art. Sometimes it makes me laugh. Like, if it's like, if it's like, if it's so, so, like, it can be very, like, funny and silly. Like, modern art can be like, you know, I think, I think the artists, I always feel like the people who appreciate modern art take it way more seriously than, than the artists sometimes. I like, mm. just imagine like, cause like Marcel Duchamp would be like, this is a toilet. And then people would get like so mad. Like, like modern art kind of started as a troll. And I do appreciate <laughs> that. Like as a troll myself, like I respect, I respect the scam of modern art. Yeah, you know, I do like that. I though then they get built up so especially like Banksy that he oh god. Um, <laughs> I mean yeah. yeah. Well when he did that, what was it? Despairland he called it, where it's like the Disneyland but uh, yeah. Sad. Oh, yeah, gone. Yeah. But, uh, a little too on the nose there, Banksy. Yeah. But I guess I have enjoyed like walking around a modern art museum and feeling culture, and I should I probably do. do it more often. I do. I go into a museum thinking like I'm going to read every one of these little paragraphs, and then about halfway through, I'm like, okay, got it, got it, got <laughs> it, got it. Art is good. I like art. <laughs> it's too bad the museum here costs about eighty dollars to get into. Oh, it does. Yeah, oh, the I... uh, the SF Museum of Modern Art, where it just like is it really that expensive? When I took my parents there, the last time I went was maybe 2011, and the tickets were if you want to get like the uh so a certain wing of the museum is closed off unless you have like the special access pass so you can get like general entry for maybe fifty dollars but i believe Jesus, like this what is this disneyland what well it's san francisco so even yeah. more expensive <laughs> but uh yeah like i got the special tier it's like well they're here they're visiting here i want to see the whole museum and i believe it was like 72 dollars or something oh my god and probably more even more now i think that's that's criminal just to look at art no well, I mean, that's, that's the elitism both of San Francisco and modern art coming yeah. together. I know, seriously. Almost as much as a Disneyland ticket, and there's nothing to ride. <laughs> this yeah, ep- you, at least at Disneyland, like, there's attractions. 
Mm-hmm. And you can just buy art there of like a poster of Mickey Mouse. Yeah, you can buy some pins. You can buy some pins. But yeah, so this episode, though, begins with Homer singing a song about coconuts in this uh, first clip. You put the beer in the coconut and drink it all up. You put the beer in the coconut and throw the can away. Homer! You throw the can away. I said Homer! You throw the can away. All right, you mother beer! You know, homie, a lot of men use their Saturdays to do things around the house. Hint, hint. But Marge, I'm not like other men. That's why you buy my pants at that special store. I'm serious. You never finish painting the garage. And apparently, I hate, I hate Marge in this episode. I hate how Marge is written in this episode. It's truly a <laughs> but, bummer how but... Marge acts in this episode. It's like she's like mad. She's like a naggy wife who's like do chores, and then she's like can't handle Homer being successful. Like it bums me out. Marge bums me out. In this I guess episode. Britain better than in a lot of the Scully episodes. Well, she runs a gamut of naggy to envious, which is, I guess. Is it better than her normally just being cast as like I clean things? Yeah, uh, yeah at least she like true. isn't like in love with like sweeping. Yeah. <laughs> she wants uh, Homer to clean things too, and I guess uh, also the date on the uh, garage is Mike Scully's anniversary with his wife. The yeah. second one Aww. on the commentary, he jokes the good one. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. he means Julie Thacker. But, yes, but, yeah. uh, fellow Simpsons writer. I didn't know that. Well, I for, now that nineteen ninety five joke gets better and better as time goes on. But it's been there for twenty four years now. I like Marge's gardening outfit. That's a good design. I wanted to ask about the hostage ribbons because I feel like there's oh. a lot of uh, jokes in this that Al Jean would put into a you know Johnny Carson monologue in nineteen eighty six or whenever he worked for them. But was he referencing the Iran hostage crisis from the early early eighties? Yeah, like seven. I guess it was 79 to 81. That's the only hostages I could think of. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't think there's a lot of, at least the ones that the American culture gets behind putting ribbons on trees for. I don't think it happens that often. And I think there was another joke about them in uh, an earlier episode where Mo wouldn't give them free beer. That's right. Yeah. They shouldn't have been there in the first place, as Mo said. Let me tell you that Homer, Homer singing the coconut song, the... Uh, it was a very long time before I realized that Ned is Ned is inadvertently singing the other part of the song. I said, "Doctor." Oh, really? So okay. Says, I say, "Homer." That's that's what Ned is doing there. So Ned is singing the other part of the song. It always struck me as very awkward because I've never heard the full song. I thought the joke was Ned. It was implying that that was Ned's catchphrase in the show, you oh, know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, boy, I don't know the 1971 novelty song, Coconut, so oh, I guess I didn't get the joke. It's in, uh, it's in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, you have uh, seen that one it's, recently. It's been a long time. <laughs> Put the lime in the coconut, she called a doctor, woke him up and said, Doctor, ain't there nothing I can take? I said, Doctor, to relieve his belly. Uh, but yeah, so that's why it w- I think it was really just on this viewing that I realized him saying, I say Homer is a line from the song. Uh, and that snake in the piano joke, that's just random as hell. Like that. I do like it's glowing, uh, has glowing eyes. <laughs> that, it looks like something from the Haunted Mansion, right? <laughs> you guys don't have snakes in your pianos? No, I no. Uh, had to sell the piano. Pianos are snake magnets. There's a lot of space in there. 
for a little <laughs> creepy crawler. Uh, they, they head over to a mom and pop store that uh, is now owned by a giant corporation, which now they're watching it on a Disney property. It's uh, it's even more funny. Now. Oh, God. <laughs> Hopefully that sign joke doesn't get cut off. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't test. I uh, God, they got to fix that on Disney+. Plus. How do they... They spend a billion dollars on Disney Plus and they can't give it to UNSD. That's uh, just shaking my head. Yeah, they messed up. That was the whole thing, right? People were mad. They messed up the aspect ratio for The Simpsons. Yeah, you get the uh, the cropped and pan and scan 16 by 9 versions on Disney Plus, not the proper, as they were presented, 4 by 3 episodes. So lots uh, of yes. uh, righteous righteous anger, I'll call it. I think it, I'm, I think it's important to watch it in the... In the in the right aspect. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I personally did watch this episode in a fucked up reverse to daily motion. (laughs) (laughs) Russian. uh, So it was like definitely not how it's intended to be viewed. You're our second recent guest who watched it in the daily motion flip version. (laughs) I was like too lazy to like get the free trial for Disney Plus. (laughs) Also, I want it when I do get Disney Plus, I want to do the the Mr. Boogity challenge. Did you guys hear about that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, there's a challenge now? Jack AM is a big booster of the Boogity Challenge. I, that's not part <laughs> yeah. of my childhood. I know people are talking about that movie a lot, and it was referenced apparently. I think my sister might have been into it or something. Oh, really? Yeah, but uh, I've never seen Mr. Boogity. Neither have I, but when I get Disney Plus, it's going to be the first thing I watch because apparently the first thing you watch affects the algorithm. And oh, man. Everyone, everyone on Twitter is like trying to confuse the Disney algorithm so that they make a Mr. Boogity sequel. The first thing I watched was Bonkers. <laughs> I want to find out if there's a Mrs. Boogity. Yeah. There's a Bride of Boogity. Oh, That's sweet. <laughs> the Simpsons will be right back. I hope you're enjoying this week's installment of Outsider Art, and we really thank our guest Kate Raft for coming on and giving us so many insights both into the world of art and into the world of the production on The Simpsons. You should follow Kate's podcast. This podcast is self-care and her daily streams on Jack AM. And if you'd like to support this podcast, there's an easy way to do that at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. If you want to support me and Bob going through every episode of The Simpsons in chronological order, plus our sister podcast what a cartoon where we talk about a different animated series once a week then you should be supporting us at patreon.com slash talking simpsons five bucks a month will get you all of our podcasts that are normally on the free feeds a week ahead of time and without ads plus there's tons tons of patreon exclusive podcasts you can only hear if you're a five dollar and up member including tons of exclusive interviews and our many exclusive patreon mini series that includes us talking about every episode of the critic the first season of king of the hill the first season of futurama and currently coming out every friday on the patreon the second season part one of talking futurama we're going through all of it and you can only hear that if you're a five dollar and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talking simpsons Want a fancy upgrade as good as a barbecued hippo? Then you should sign up at the $10 a month level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. 
Once a month, we do an exclusive premium podcast just for our $10 up listeners. And if you sign up today, you'll get access to each of those, plus the entire back catalog of our What a Cartoon Movie podcast. We talk about a different animated feature film once a month that our Patreon supporters help us choose. If you signed up now, you could hear Toy Story, our What a Cartoon Movie on the Pixar Classic, and you get to hear the entire back catalog. That means episodes about Nightmare Before Christmas, a goofy movie aladdin akira kiki's delivery service spider-man into the spider-verse tiny tunes how i spent my vacation and so many more over 40 hours of podcasts that you can only hear if you're at the ten dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons so please sign up or upgrade today But uh, <laughs> uh, but so yeah, they head to the hardware shop. The squeaky voice teen is uh, trying to get with a, a cute girl, which he actually does. Like it's the only time squeaky voice teen I think has ever gotten romantic <laughs> success. He's come a long way from. If I had a girlfriend, she'd kill me. <laughs> uh, but but Homer's. Uh, uh, I do like that Homer is there just to get bolt cutters for a toolbox. Uh, that also feels like this again feels like modern simpsons as well of like they they go to that store to do to buy something to do yard work and then homer is instantly distracted and does a new mm. thing like it's it's all thrown off it also feels like classic era simpsons in that homer is much more a reflection of the writer's parents where the dad of the 60s or 70s would be like a handyman. He would build things like birdhouses and benches and things like that, where mm. we saw a bit of Homer's poor craftsmanship in like the earliest seasons of the show. They kind of forgot about Homer as like an actual dad who does those things. Homer recently has just been like a, a drunk, <laughs> just the, uh, a yeah. blackout drunk man that he doesn't build anything. The modern day father. Uh, and then uh, we get a quick aside with Skinner and Edna, which feels like a lost. It's like, I guess, technically a B-plot since it comes back at the very end of the episode, but it, I feel like something got cut of Skinner and Edna. Yeah, I, I was seeing this, and I love the Skinner-Edna thing, and I'm sorry it came to an end in a pretty bad way after this, but uh, I, I was like, they should have pursued this. I mean, there will be more Skinner and Edna episodes, but it's like, oh, this could have been a fun like uh, route to travel. And they actually remember the continuity of that they like to have sex in the janitor's closet. Yeah. Out of necessity, but it became a uh, real make-out hotspot. Yeah, it's just a turn-on. It turned into a fun turn-on for them. Though I also, so I had a sad moment of this. of learning, When I saw the baby subplot, I was like, oh, I should go to the Wikipedia and see if they did follow up on this in an episode. I forgot. And that's when it reminded me, like, oh, yeah, canonically, Edna's dead. And that's oh, just yeah. depressing. Like, you're seeing, well, I, for some reason, Aww. watching a woman who I now know is dead in the series, the character saying she wants a baby like that made me way more sad i could see i could see why that's uh, a bummer i don't know i think it would uh, i i know they did it to like be respectful but might have been better just to say like edna moved away or something like now she lives on the puppy farm now that's like they didn't say that like oh, what happened to troy mcclure oh he's dead he's dead troy they just never talk about him 
That's true. But yes, Homer Homer gets distracted by a videotape in this next clip. Why don't we continue this in pool supplies? Hi, I'm Doug Vaccaro. You know me as Chip, the wisecracking assistant on the hit sitcom Toolin' Around. <laughs> a man in an apron. <laughs> but today I'm here as a tool of Global Dynamics Corp. You know, installing your own barbecue pit is no harder than adding an aviary or Olympic-sized swimming pool. In fact, it's a snap. Or if you're not into chicken. No, no, I'm into chicken. How about wild boar? Or swordfish? Or hippo? Small hippo. Ooh, hippo. <laughs> Lighthearted apron not included. Snapping fingers may not make food appear. How about it, Bart? Would you like a new backyard barbecue pit? Can I burn evidence in it? We can all burn evidence. <laughs> I really like, so uh, at this point in history, uh, Home Improvement is ending. This is their last season. Yeah. So I enjoy that Al Jean is getting some final digs in on Home I enjoy that Al Jean is finally getting some uh, digs in on Home Improvement this late because they were the lead-in. The critic was the lead-in to Home Improvement. Ah. And we all... And we all assumed The Simpsons was a very popular show in the 90s. So in the 90s, like Home Improvement was the number one show for a few years. Simpsons, after the first season, was always like number 60 or 70. It was way down the list. Of course, it's persisted because it's a really good show, but it was never even close to the top 10. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it got fully eclipsed by Home Improvement. And I, I know the pain, the pain they felt on the critic was that... Everybody just thought of them as a show coupled with Home Improvement, or they were told, like, you're not as good as Home Improvement. Why this, Why can't this be as popular as Home Improvement? We are going to take you away from Home Improvement because you're hurting Home Improvement and one being here. A, one episode ends with uh, Jay saying, you might be confused because you're turning in, uh, you're tuning in early to watch Home Improvement. Yes. <laughs> ah, that's funny. I was going to say, I can confirm that Al Jean is into chicken. Ooh. <laughs> that's more, more lunch secrets there. More lunch Seasoned, secret fried. dropping bombshells over here we're talking broiled fried uh you know breasts. he used to get like this like kind of half chicken over like um french fries from this seafood restaurant by the fox lot mm. but it was he would get the chicken from there they did have good chicken you need protein to write comedy <laughs> you do you really do I, I wonder if they reached out to Richard Karn for this gag, too, or if they always were like a Richard Karn type. Was he in the uh, making those family feud millions at this point? Oh, not yet. No. Okay. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? What's he doing now? Hmm, he did host the feud before it became the Steve Harvey feud, which that's no one will replace him. I think he's living comfortably. Yeah, I somewhere mean, those home improvement residuals got to be pay that that pays for a house on its own. I yeah, think. to be on the number one sitcom for like I don't know nine eight nine seasons. I hope I fear if I search his name, I'll find out he's like a MAGA guy now. <laughs> I mean, Tim Allen is right. He's yes, a big Republican. Yeah. the governor of Ohio. He was a big supporter of him. Oh, uh, John Kasich. Yeah, Kasich. Kasich. Yeah. He was he was big behind that guy. Cool. Luckily, John Kasich is way too ugly to be in a prominent place in politics. <laughs> so rat face. People just can't accept weirdo. it. No. Too, uh, too ugly looking. No. Too ugly. Too ugly for politics. <laughs> Tim Allen, at least national politics. Yeah, it was only after this scene where I realized, like, oh, yeah, all these music cues, this just becomes a tool time parody for, like, five minutes or so, or I should say home improvement. I do the bad thing of most fans of, like, oh, it's tool time, right? Like, no, the the show is home improvement. 
I could tell you about Richard Carr and an update on him as oh. of uh, 11 years ago. He replaced Patrick Duffy as the host of uh, the game show network's Bingo America. <laughs> that was 11 years ago? Yeah, and that was the last uh, update on him. Apparently he was in Snow Buddies. Can check on Richard Carnes? <laughs> I think he's I'm okay. I'm on him. I'm worried. Uh, you know, if he hasn't been in the news, I say no news is good news these days with old celebrities. Oh, he must be cool because he was in uh, two episodes of the show uh, Pen15. I hear it's a good show. That <gasps> streaming show. Oh, okay. Is he the dad on Pen15? Uh, he plays uh, Fred Peters, according to my uh, entry here on uh, Wikipedia. Oh, I, he, I did see him on that show. He's actually really good on that show. Cool. Wow, I forgot. I, 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 I filed that one away immediately. I always enjoyed Al. And I would hope the one day that he would actually kill Tim <laughs> for all the uh, bad natured ribbon he suffered. You got to write that fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Think of all of the, uh, Tim Taylor and Al Borland slash fic that's out there. Oh so, my God. So I can't believe you just put that in my brain. Now I have no choice, but to seek it out. I've heard on Twitter that, uh, Al was very, it was and is very popular in the like bear community. Like he is oh, like yeah. a, oh, a real, cute. he's, he's a, a little bear. Yeah. He's a gay icon. Al Borland. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, I believe uh, it. I believe it. As, I think Mike Mitchell is a uh, big in the bear community too, for this, like the, same reason they this got that true. like the same look the flannel on them <laughs> i mean <laughs> i'm the... i'm straight i'd like to be held in his large arms for <laughs> maybe a minute or two hey same i think it'd be comforting uh, al, al is hot like i'll say it fuck i'll say it exclusive right here al al borland Hot. I've never been seen without flannel, so he is a big influence in me in oh. my life. <laughs> that was uh, we wore flannel to the table read because that was our like nice shirt. Like uh, I'll put on my button up shirt. I'm sure you fit right in. Yeah, how dressed down is? Sorry, this is back to the table read. Wait, is there like uh, where, do some people just show up in t-shirts and and? Jeans? Yeah, it's like a casual. It's definitely a casual thing. Like no one that works at the like everyone that works at the Simpsons like no no one's like dressing up to go to work. It's like a regular. Oh work man, day. Hank! I don't know where he was going. He was really dressed up. He was. Super I mean, stylish. Hank is like a star. He's a star. Yeah. He's always looking good. He's got great style. And uh, so Homer uh, takes the barbecue home. He starts working on the grill. It's another like cruel Lisa moment. They they just it wouldn't be a Scully season if they didn't treat Lisa poorly. <laughs> and making her lay the concrete foundation, cement foundation down herself. That seems pretty cruel. <laughs> Reminds me of making Ralph uh, put on the new shingles on the roof. Yeah, like these tar fumes are burning my eyes. Oh, they'll do that. Yeah. What makes me feel worst for Lisa is how she has like cement in her hair. It's just like, well, you have to shave your head then, Lisa. Like that doesn't wash out. They can style she the. Can pull, uh, she can pull off a shaved head. Yeah, <laughs> she bounced back from that gum incident. So oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 Uh, she's, no, she's no stranger to <laughs> hair incidents. With building stuff, I'm I'm no uh, I'm no Al Borland, but I uh, I do okay with like. Up to an IKEA thing. You see this couch here. I did actually build this IKEA couch in my in my apartment. I'm, sa I'm saying, see the couch to Bob. You, it's oh, I sat on that couch. <laughs> I've had an IKEA couch for the past nine years that I built, and it is uh, still standing, but it's uh, on its last legs. I I'm moving, and it's going to be thrown out into the street where all <laughs> furniture goes in Berkeley when you're I, done with it. IKEA, especially. Yes. Yeah, but I've never. I would never take on an outdoor thing like building a grill. Probably out of fear of what Homer does in this very episode. This mainly, this next clip is just uh, to appreciate the screaming that Homer does while trying to build something. Ah! Stupid Lisa! <laughs> you gotta build fast. Cement drying. 
All right, let's see. Oh, English side ruined. Must use French instructions. Le grill? What the hell is that? Oh, give me a good. Come on, fit you. One fine-looking barbecue pit. Why doesn't mine look like that? Why? Why? Why must life be so hard? Why must I fail in every attempt at masonry? How's your father's project coming along? I think he's almost done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the screaming. So good. He's so good. That, uh, a high pitched dance scream is some of my favorites. Just... Dan is so good. Yeah, that's classic. He's such. He's so funny. But man, that stupid Lisa that makes all the cruelty even worse. That he goes like he screws up instantly and says, "Stupid Lisa." That that Lagrill thing is uh, a persistent meme now. It's ah. there's a few good memes in this episode, but uh, that is one that I hear come up a lot. In fact, my girlfriend just bought me a toaster so I can have bagels when I visit her, and uh, I saw on the box it says uh, "Le bagel." on it because it has French uh, French on it and I was like what the hell is that <laughs> like bagels oh, that's that's I need to use that more in my life yeah uh, well now that you're gonna be living in Canada in, in the future you'll have a lot of chances for that I'll be told to stop saying that joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I've seen that why doesn't mine look like that meme a whole lot too yeah like any anytime it's a perfect way to encapsulate a thing that fails to meet your expectations of just like this movie was great why doesn't my movie look like that or i've seen it for wrestling events too Mm. but uh to explain those memes would take uh too long (laughs) (laughs) but for pro wrestling boy there's some funny memes there i'll tell you that i also like uh, you can even see homer's watch somehow got mixed up in his uh grill pile there and i also like that he just shoves like when he puts the two bricks together and shoves a pipe in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. And then the wheel through the like, grill grates. Oh, yeah, like jamming the wheel into the grate of the grill. Very, very <laughs> funny. no sense. Yeah, I did like that part. I mean, I think it looks like good art. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I think uh, Isabella Rossellini was correct in valuing that art. It was worth something. There's there's some fun stuff on the commentary where the director, uh, Stephen Dean Moore, talks about how he did consider being an artist in in that style before before getting into animation instead and so i think that's why they execute the um the recreations of classic modern art in here really well i think it's probably a lot him i did like on the commentary how he was uh he feels a bit uh, insecure he's like i could have went to cal arts but i didn't because <laughs> there are just so many cal arts people on the staff well, Kate, you work with a ton of uh, in animation. You must know a lot of CalArts graduates as well. Oh yeah, it's a they're all over there <laughs> in the animation world. I'm like, damn, should I have gone to CalArts? I wonder what the student loan debt is like at CalArts. Mm. I think it, isn't it really expensive? I would just assume Private, so. Yeah. Right? Or no, wait, is it public? No, is Disney it? partially pays for it, so I know it's it's not public. I'm sure it's expensive. I mean, <laughs> hey, I went to NYU. That was expensive. It's all oh, yeah. too much. It's too much. I went to state school. I'll be paying that off until I'm 50-ish, probably. Yes. God. Man, I feel pretty good as a college dropout <laughs> on this podcast. Well, I know, I've honestly. got two degrees and you don't, and they won't go me, uh, do me any good, <laughs> ever. <laughs> Uh, Jack A.M. when I hear Jack Allison talk about his uh, his lack of his college dropout and having uh, no college debt, I'm like, man, we did the right thing. And it, it truly is like he's like 
his biggest mistake was marrying someone with a ton of college debt. He was almost, <laughs> he was almost free <laughs> from college debt. And now I've saddled him with mine. The best thing college did for me was give me eight years of someplace to hide from the real world and actual responsibilities and obligations. That does sound pretty nice. So yeah, I guess uh, now I'm paying for it, but it was pretty nice to be like, no, I'm a student. <laughs> I do have to say I worked at the Simpsons cause I knew Henry uh, Gamble from NYU, whose oh. dad is Tom Gamble. So oh, if I didn't have all this debt. I wouldn't have gotten three works of assistant work on The Simpsons. So, hey, it led to something. That's... I got one job from college. <laughs> uh, that pays off then, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm on this podcast. <laughs> we only accept college graduates on our podcast as yeah. guests. So yeah. we had to have her, uh, you know, her records checked too. Yeah, I on. did send you my official transcript, <laughs> and you were you said it was like fine. You wish I had higher GPA. GPA was too low, but you got it notarized, and we respect that. So yeah, <laughs> one of the I prefer the job applications that said like or equivalent experience. I'm like ah, there we go. Ooh. Reminds me of yeah, the uh, Paul Tompkins joke about some college. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I think of that. Like, give me that, please. Give me the choice of some college. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Homer tries to get a refund. He Shows off that the receipt in boxes and pieces inside of it. It's almost like a cute child walking around with his red rag wagon full of uh, his art or his garbage. And uh, yeah, again, squeaky voice teen. This has to be the only time he's gotten a kiss in the entire series. So enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> uh, and yeah, then Homer uh, tries to drop it off in Toys for Tots. And that's when we get like this. I, I have the whole clip here. This whole Wiggum bit is so funny because it it's just one joke four times in a row. <laughs> yeah, hold on there, Santa Claus. That box is for toys only. Well, of course. Any kid would love to have this uh, activity center. It teaches them while they learn. Yeah, nice try, St. Nick. <laughs> now hit the road, Chris Kringle. But, but... You heard me, Père Noel. <laughs> what you got there? Beanie Baby. Ooh, it's like our second Beanie Baby joke in a row. Yep, yeah, it's like two episodes ago in Maximum Homer Drive yeah. we heard about Beanie Babies and now another one. That Wiggum joke feels like uh, writers coming up with, like, what is the one thing Wiggum would say? And then they're just like, well, he could just say all the things. Yes. Like, <laughs> we need one Santa Claus joke. Oh, we have four? He could just do all of them. <laughs> I forget which Simpsons writer talked about it, but they, they, they had a writing room joke called Cranberries where... It's how everybody jumps in to add on to things with something obvious. And they're like, the joke is that you would say, okay, guys, pitch me Thanksgiving dinner. And then the most eager beaver would just jump in with like, cranberries. That's what's a Thanksgiving dinner. Like, so cranberry. That, I wonder if that was a cranberries type joke of like, what's every Santa nickname you can think of? Yes. To set this in 1999, we have a Beanie Babies joke. Kate, were you a Beanie Babies owner? Oh, yeah, big time. I would, like, write in my journal about my Beanie Babies. I have, like, journal entries of me wow. as a child being like, it's my, it's, like, Bruno's birthday today. Like <laughs> They had a rich inner life. That's amazing. What was yeah. your most prized Beanie Baby? Oh, God, I don't remember. Probably, like, the leopard one, because I just found a picture of myself in a Halloween costume where <laughs> it looks like I'm just dressed as, like, a leopard, like, cat. 
mm-hmm. as a child, but then I'm holding up a matching leopard cat beanie baby. Oh. So it's clear that I've dressed up as my beanie baby. Brown. I hope you corrected every adult that <laughs> said, oh, aren't sure you cute? I was so annoying about it. Like, I am this specific beanie baby. <laughs> yeah, like, no, 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 not just a cat. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so Homer drives off with his uh, cement block, and this again is real sociopath Homer sequence here. What's odd is that there is basically an eight-second psycho parody where it's playing the psycho-ish music, oh, yeah. and it's a parody of uh, Marion or whatever her name is from that movie uh, driving after she steals the money. I forgot that was a psycho reference. Just for there, like yeah. maybe like seven seconds of this episode, it's very it doesn't really go anywhere. And then it just fall. His bumper falls off, which. Homer says, act of God, not my fault, which is like, no, no, it is not. I mean, the the height of sociopathic Homer was it crushes somebody's entire front of their car, could have killed them for all he knows. And he goes, and then he tilts his thing slightly and sees deer and like, oh, just drives away like nothing happened. I feel like the way he addressed that situation. He's like, how do I make myself feel better? Exactly. Uh, It's so extreme. Uh, but Homer Homer just doesn't give a crap. Uh, but he drives away, and it's the next day, and he's uh, shaving his shoulders. I gotta, I have to hear the whole shaving shoulders song here. Shaving my shoulders, I'm getting it all shaved off. Homie, someone's at the door. They want to talk to you about some sort of car accident. Take your kids out back. I'll handle this. Mr. Simpson? I believe something of yours struck my car yesterday. Oh, yeah? Prove it. That's your license plate, isn't it? It says single and sassy on it. Don't get it. (laughs) I mean, that again feels like Homer advertising that he wants to cheat, I think. (laughs) But uh, but shaving my shoulder song, I sing it every time I remove uh, hair from my shoulder. Like, I'm shaving my... Though I don't have... uh, Apparently Homer has such hairy shoulders he has to shave them regularly i i don't do that i my shoulders are hairless i have that gene yeah i've never shaved my shoulders <laughs> i if i at least like remove one hair it still is enough time to sing the shave in my shoulder song but uh, <laughs> i i hope dan gets ass cap for that or somebody does i'm sure yeah it's long enough uh, and I think, you know, you talk about that psycho parody just being kind of slipped in there. I also think it's a Godfather parody that Homer takes a shotgun from out behind a toilet tank. Yeah, well. especially because they changed the toilet to make it one of those old timey toilets where the tank is way above the actual bowl. Yeah. 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 I mean, now Al Jean and his heirs, they love, they love a Godfather parody to the point where they'll get... James Caan on an episode to be shot to death like he was in Godfather. Uh, I It's funnier, too, that he leaves it in the crib as well. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And she immediately starts reaching for it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they'd do more with that, but they, they kind of just drop that. But but yes, we have our guest here, Isabella Rossellini, the uh, the glamorous uh, actress. She's, she's great, still with us, 67. I guess she's most famous for Blue Velvet. I, I would guess. say so, yeah. At least in America. An incredible role in a very hard-to-watch movie, but... Uh, an enjoyable movie. I never watched it more than once, but uh, I did like her in Death Becomes Her, though, too. That's really oh, that's good right. Movie. She plays like the immortality uh, mogul. Yeah, right? it's like it's her and her like most beautiful and youthful. So yeah. yeah, she's she's perfect to play this like ageless goddess kind of thing in that movie. That uh, that uh, Death Becomes Her, such a funny movie. I haven't seen that in forever, though. I haven't seen it in a while either. 
I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. I need to see it. Oh, good time. On my, it's on my it, list. It's a special effects tour de force from uh, like, it was like what he did after Roger Rabbit, right? Oh, it is Basically. a Zemeckis. Zemeckis yeah. yeah. So it is a Zemeckis uh, show off special effects movie but it also it like it lets actresses be old in a movie though like i feel like meryl streep was like 35 in that movie playing an old woman yeah but yeah it's still uh, i mean just a goldie hahn versus meryl streep movie that's a fun movie and having yeah, bruce, that sounds so good. bruce willis play like a schmuck yeah he's uh he's the dork in the movie he's basically a william h macy character in the movie really interesting Homer, so Homer gives it up. He admits that he gets sued a lot, and apparently his average is $68,000. So, like, how does how do they have any money? Or do they just have a constant lien on their house from all these lawsuits? So many mortgages. <laughs> no, it's the 90s, you know. Everyone had more money. You just rack up debt really easily then. Yeah. You know, think about it. Uh, but so Homer learns about outsider art. My name is Astrid Weller. I own an art gallery, and I'd love to display your piece. You mean this hunk of junk? This isn't art. Just a barbecue that pushed me over the edge. Didn't you? Didn't you? You stupid dog! Uh, art isn't just pretty pictures. It's an expression of raw human emotion. In your case, rage. Oh, I got that, lady. Is everything okay? I got worried when I didn't hear any shots. <laughs> this lady says I'm an artist. You? An artist? Your husband's work is what we call outsider art. It could be by a mental patient or a hillbilly or a chimpanzee. In high school, I was voted most likely to be a mental patient, hillbilly, or chimpanzee. Well, you should be very excited because outsider art couldn't be hotter. So you'd better catch the fever. Catch it. It's very fun to hear uh, Isabella Rosalina say hillbilly. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a funny. She, uh, she's like fighting that word a little bit. Yeah. So the, her concept of outsider art, as she explains, it does sound kind of classist to me. It if, does. I mean, I don't think she's supposed to be that sympathetic in yeah, this uh, they, portrayal. Yeah, making fun of people like that. I feel like you're supposed to like her, at least. Like, she's too nice to Homer. But yeah, everybody else is a uh, piece of shit in the, in the art world they show later. But yeah, the way she explains it of just like these elites saying, oh, can you believe these nobodies accidentally made a piece of art? They're too stupid to even know it's good art. That, uh, I don't think that's how they normally present outsider art. And <laughs> I think that's kind of a masked off uh, definition of it. They just draw her to look like Isabella as well. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of what they were doing at the time. Even if you weren't playing yourself, they wanted you to look like yourself. I also like that Homer, like with a closed fist, is threatening Bart. <laughs> like he's got to punch Bart. Like right? we are in, we're approaching the Homer shaking his fist jokes uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> era of the show. Shake harder, Homer. Uh, so Homer becomes a professional artist. He shows off his piece. I uh, Oh, yes, actually, we have another guest star in this upcoming clip. Jasper Johns, he's 89. So uh, and still with us, wood. I have to play the official anti-death jingle to protect Jasper Johns. <laughs> I ain't dead yet. This episode will go live in like two weeks after we record it, right? Yeah, so hang in there, Jasper. Here. Come on, Jasper. Just two more weeks. Come on. Make it to 2020 at least for us, please. 
but uh, like Jasper Johns, I I only know the only piece of his art I know is because it was on my like middle school history book or high school history book. He, he did a piece that was like uh, the American flag and then like other American flags concentric out from it. Like it's oh yeah, I feel like that was on my one of my history books too. We were all getting it from the same place. I think someone yeah. approached Al Jean and was like, oh, that was so funny and clever how, you know, Jasper Johns makes art from found objects and he's stealing everything in the episode. It's very clever. And he was like, oh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I knew he made art from found objects. So he did, wasn't even thinking about what Jasper Johns did. It's like, it'd be funny if he was just like a petty thief. Yeah. <laughs> stealing food and light bulbs and things like that. Well, I think we've all been at fancy parties and tried to take as much food as possible. You never know when you'll be invited again. Hey, I did that uh, when every time I was at The Simpsons. <laughs> Take as much food as possible. I loved hearing Mike Mitchell stories of just being able to feed the rest of the birthday boys off of Oh, yeah. Lunch. That's how I fed Jack in the beginning of our relationship. <laughs> I would just like get two dinners, two lunches, bring one to Jack. Oh. Dan Graney barely touched the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is so much uneaten food at The Simpsons. I mean, it'd be sad if it went to waste. So. I don't think Dan Graney eats sandwiches, though. Uh, just for the just for uh, the record, my he listens to this. He he's kind of you know he's a healthy diet. He's like you know a lean fish and and some vegetables type of guy. Man, that's. Uh... That's uh, I. I always wanted to just order the. If I was in a writer's room, I'd just order the biggest sandwich every day. It'd be uh, Jersey Mike's. Every you'd day. fall asleep after the first act. <laughs> um, first Al act. does like Jersey Mike's every once in a while, not regularly. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, you can't. You, a Jersey Mike's every day. That's uh, you uh, get a heart attack. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the yeah, I mean, you also actually did. Uh, you just went to a fancy premiere of that uh, Apple TV show C, didn't you? Yes, I did. Or did you see anybody doing the Jasper Johns thing of pocketing a bunch of free food? No, there wasn't like tables of stuff out. Everyone just had like a gift bag at their seat. But uh, I was very tempted to take the gift bag that was under the seat next to me because it was like a no-show. Oh, uh, you should have. I, I should have just done it. They had like good stuff. It was like really good popcorn, really good like truffle mm. chocolates. I assume there'd just be a big punch bowl full of iPhone 11s. <laughs> just take one. Um, Sadly, no iPhones. But they do have iPhones in like every scene of the morning show. <laughs> it's like they're really trying to have the characters like always be on their phones so that they can always be iPhones. Jack and I were joking that we were hoping the villain would have an Android. Ah, that would be. And that's how you could tell like who the bad guys were. <laughs> it makes more sense than uh, every other movie where it's like, oh, Sony sponsored this, or they're using like the Sony phone with Sony laptops, just like things you never actually see people using. Well, th- that's their mistake in that series C that it's uh, post-apocalyptic, so they can't use iPhones. I know that's their, that's my first note. <laughs> that's my first note. More iPhones. <laughs> Does it have to be post-apocalyptic? And so, yeah, we get to see... This might be a page one rewrite, but... Uh, I I also a positive in this episode. I it feels like a Gene thing to remember. You know, back from season one, Marge being a great artist. Like they, I feel like they barely they did touch on it in that tax episode. <laughs> a very, very sad s- one. Yeah, very sad joke. You had a lot of talent, kid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Marge. Uh, you know, if you delve too deep into it, it's just very, very sad of an of a, this very talented woman who. <laughs> Just suffocated all her dreams. Yeah, to be buried her to, gifts. To, to, to be married to like one of the worst men who's ever <laughs> lived. Jesus. 
Ooh. See, so it's, if you talk too much about it, it gets real sad. Homer's not I, fun like, anymore. I blocked that out of my memory that she was an artist, like <laughs> probably to protect myself. <laughs> and uh, we also get to see the Yoko Ono style character in the background here. Bob, you'd said something to me before about this episode. Oh, yeah. So it's like uh, in season uh, four, they had their first uh, Japanese woman character who was uh, unnamed, a Yoko Ono parody. Here we have our second uh, Japanese woman on the show ever in uh, a decade and she's in the same room as the Yoko Ono parody uh, Kyoto who we meet later so uh, if you are a Japanese woman like my girlfriend there are very few cosplay opportunities on the Simpsons and now you have two and they almost have no dialogue either no no I mean they don't give her a joke I don't, I don't understand I mean you know the only jokes are for the one, the guys next to her I guess but but they have to go through their collection of characters to find uh, artistic looking or bohemian looking characters and one character I noticed that they pulled was the uh i guess the chinese pirate that uh captured otto oh, that's right with the the guy with the headband is one of the pirates who captured otto and das bus and put him into slavery yeah yeah oh my god i forgot that's where that guy came from uh i mean look it's hard to design a bunch of new characters you gotta you gotta take them where you can damn i didn't realize that's where they got that guy from uh, but yes, Homer sells his piece of art and becomes a professional. Mm, I don't know. I studied art for years, but I just don't get this. Sounds like somebody's jealous. No, I'm not. I just can't believe some people are paying hundreds of dollars for something a hillbilly pulled out of the trash. Hey, I done studied for years on how to get over that junkyard fence. Then I learned the gate was open. Smithies, I think I'm in love ah. with this sculpture. Sir, that's by Homer Simpson. I don't think you want to buy it. Smithies, years ago, I blew the chance to buy Picasso's Guernica for a song. <laughs> Luckily, that song was White Christmas, and by hanging on to it, I made billions. Anyway, I love this hideous thing. <laughs> Young lady, I'll take it. Congratulations, Homer. You're now a professional artist. Woohoo! Look, Marge, my first sale. In your face, Jasper Johns. Huh? <laughs> He's stealing the light bulbs, even. Yeah. <laughs> what I do like with the return of Al Jean is I think Mike Scully, by his own admission, was trying to de Harvardify the show. And that meant getting rid of all the a lot of the old timey stuff with like Burns, especially mm -hmm. like he kind of didn't do a lot with Burns. But now that Al Jean is coming back, like Burns does uh, start, you know, increasing his appearances. I like hearing him tell the story that he almost bought Guernica, that he was that old and could have could own White Christmas or Guernica at the same time, which I also thanks to Al Jean. That's how I know what Guernica looks like, because take it that a, Guernica on a critic joke. It was about destroying Guernica. The, uh, the the classic painting. But yeah, Homer... This I, is the first act, by the way. This first act is 10 minutes. Act. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, I, I like that they do in the first act even lay in that Marge is jealous, like that she's or envious of all this success that Homer's getting. Like, Bart just is eating a wheel of cheese there. I guess he grabbed a whole wheel off of the thing. Hey, that's relatable. <laughs> uh, the, so we come back. Homer has decided he's going to be a full-time artist, so... This is also a Homer gets a job episode. Uh, and I like Homer's description of the things he's going to destroy for his art. Uh, and then we get a very unlikable Homer moment at the end of this clip, I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm going to be an outsider artist. That way I can turn all these old baseball cards, Disney memorabilia, and antiques into something valuable. Homie, 
I'm really happy you sold your sculpture, but don't you think it may have been a fluke? Hey, I've always had an interest in art, dating back to my schoolgirl days when I painted portrait after portrait of Ringo Starr. That's my <laughs> life you're describing. I think I remember my own life, Mark. <laughs> Astrid said the key to my art is anger. But you know me, I'm Mr. Mellow. So I'm giving you kids permission to get me mad. Come on, give me what you got. Well, if it'll help, uh, Mom found out her engagement ring is made of rock candy. Good work, honey. Keep it coming. Well, I'm flunking math, and the other day I was a little attracted to Millhouse. The first of two... Uh, gay like jokes in that episode yes gay, uh <laughs> it's more gay rage than gay panic like, gay yeah gay like problematic yeah. and uh the director Stephen dean moore was channeling the roger corman movie bucket of blood which i have seen it's a good oh, it's a good b cool. movie about uh it's a it's like a satire of the bohemian scene at the time oh. where this guy uh this kind of idiot becomes a great artist by killing people and killing animals and covering them with plaster. Oh, so it's okay. really good. It's, it has a good name too, Bucket of Blood. That's a good, wow. Yeah. All right. I like that. Also, the, I had to go to the subtitles. I was like, I always heard, I never knew what Bart said when he says, I'm flunking math. Like it's kind of, he goes by itself fast. It almost sounds like I'm a plunking mad or I, it almost sounds like fucking. <laughs> I'm fucking mad. I'm fucking mad. Uh, but, and uh, but the final line is what really stands out. Yeah, I mean, I I appreciate that Bart is secure enough in his you know self to admit like yeah I found myself attracted to Millhouse. He can admit it, though I feel like he's lying. I don't think he actually was attracted to Millhouse. Yeah. but not making Homer very sympathetic. No, I mean, I guess the joke isn't like it's disgusting that Bart could be gay, but that the joke is that Homer, as a father, would hate right. to play his son that's to be true. gay. Though that also sucks. Like that's yeah. Not- <laughs> I think it's like it's like Bart being like, I know it's it's as bad as like doing that in school. Like it's like a bad thing. He knows it's to set off Homer for yeah. sure. So I get that, but uh, yeah, it's that was a line that gave me pause this morning. I was like, oh, <laughs> but uh, but I do I do like Homer brings up brush with greatness the season two episode like right to the Ringo Starr painting specific. I like that. You know, normally I think they'd be afraid of getting that specific with an episode because they'd worry like, will people remember that episode with Ringo Starr in it? I guess it was one of their biggest uh, guest stars before you know. Paul McCartney and uh, the rest of the Beatles. Yeah, poor Ringo got outdone by Paul. <laughs> and George Harrison. Yeah. Also, Homer's listing of old baseball cards, Disney memorabilia, and antiques. That feels like an eBay reference to me. That, like, this was when in 99, eBay's getting big. Everyone was cleaning out their closets and being like, I'm a millionaire now. Yes. My mom thought she was going to be very rich with all of our saved McDonald's uh, Disney toys. Like,. We had the full collection of Bambi toys from Disney Happy Meals, and she thought, this is going to be worth so much money. They are not. It turns out 80 million kids also had those. (laughs) (laughs) We just got to wait for all the other kids to lose theirs, and then then it'll be rare again. I do like that Homer describes it as uh, my schoolgirl days, too. He remembers them as when he was a schoolgirl. Schoolgirl, yeah. There's a deleted scene I'm glad they cut of just another thing Lisa uses to get Homer mad is to make jokes about Oscar hosts like Letterman as an Oscar host. And I'm like, 
That's really that's that was dated in '99, so I'm really glad they. That cut feels that like uh, Al Jean blew the blew the uh, dust off a critic joke. That uh, like, I I would suspect that we yeah. couldn't do our Oprah Uma Uma <laughs> Oprah joke. It was a good joke, yeah. Even if no one, I mean, in '99, who remembered Uma Oprah? But. And by the way, that was a one of uh, David Letterman was not a good host of the Oscars. Apparently, I, I think I did watch that Oscars. It didn't stand out to me as particularly bad, but uh, his kind of like cranky weirdness does not mix with the Oscars. Yeah, no, I remember liking it, but I also, as a kid, I do think like the schmaltz of a Billy Crystal song parody fits more with the uh, glitz of the Oscars. Uh, but yes, Homer then he makes some friends in the art scene who they get to meet Mo and. Yes, this is where the other Japanese woman in the show who has no lines, uh, but identified as Kyoto, they all get to meet Mo. Mo, this is Astrid, my dealer, and these are my fans, Gunter Kyoto and Cecil Hampstead on Cecil Cecil. So, uh, you guys are Euro trash, huh? How's that uh, working out for you? <laughs> eh, to be honest, we are adrift in a sea of decadent luxury and meaningless sex. Uh-huh. So, uh, where might the sea be located? I must get back to my hotel and practice my affectations for tomorrow. Bonsoir! What do we owe you, Mo? Nothing, nothing. Just give me a priceless sketch with a certificate of authenticity. All right. Hey, Mo! Can I pay with a drawing? Yeah, nice try there, 12-step. Oh. <laughs> uh, Homer... You're uh, making us a little bit uncomfortable. Relax, big guy. He's just doing this for his art. Right, Homer? Oh, yeah. Art. <laughs> looks to both sides. Yeah. At so uh, Barney uh, doing a forgery. He could be an art forger, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, to do that on a napkin, that's pretty impressive. But it's the famous uh, Ferris Bueller painting we all know. <laughs> and I have to wonder, at this point in history, it was okay, but like with a current TV show... Can you make a joke where it's like, oh, we're referencing that famous painting? I think outside of like the Mona Lisa, you can't expect an audience to understand what you're doing or recognize the painting. Yeah. I think memes are referenced more now than uh, <laughs> actual fine art. Like, oh, we're doing the thing just like the meme that's online now. And that's good. Yeah. I think. I'm pro memes taking over. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've talked about it plenty on this show, but the Simpsons referenced their own, you know, Homer backing into the hedge meme on yeah. the show. So even they've moved past referencing fine art to move, reference memes about themselves i think it's i feel like their reference base is still like there's some high art references still going on every once in a while over there yeah some but intellectual I, stuff <laughs> but i feel like they can't count on people to know it as well as before yeah like i don't know if they had like a a Lichtenstein thing. I think people would just think it's a comic book page or whatever, which is what he did. Like you, you guys should look up what happened to the poor artist who Lichtenstein ripped off to make those pictures. He copied so. that art poorly. Also, yes, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I didn't know that was the European way of smoking cigarettes until I listened to the commentary. Because like, all I don't smoke, never smoked, and my friends who did smoke all did it in the American between middle and forefinger way. But you got to smoke like uh, Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters, where just the uh, the cigarette is just stuck to your bottom lip with saliva. <laughs> you just walk around with it dangling and on fire, smoke going right up your nose. It's great. 
I also feel like that Cecil guy is designed to look like Hitler without a mustache. I think he, I think that's intentional. He actually looks just like George Plimpton, who would uh, uh, Algy would eventually have on the uh, the show in like yeah, uh, two or three gay, years. Yeah, he? no, George Plimpton is the. No, you're thinking of Bill Plimpton. Oh, sorry. George Plimpton is the in television. In tele- oh yes, television. Television. Yes, Bill. He's known for <laughs> only in television commercials. Yes, that's all he's ever done. <laughs> but he would be on the uh, Simpsons in uh, I think season thirteen or fourteen. Uh, okay. Yeah. Homer's drawing of Lenny and Carl. Carl knew that it adds more dimension to his anger at Bart's same-sex attraction. Is he mad that because he keeps his <laughs> true wraps? Like, why? Why is he peeping on them in the shower? I didn't think about that joke in uh, relation to the angry at Bart possibly being gay joke. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're just two not connected bad gay jokes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's just an easy sellout joke of Homer being like a peeping tom on his friends for no reason. It's a classic. Like the joke is he's gay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. And, and it's so funny that a man would want to see another Can you man. Believe a man being gay. Wow. We went, we went from what if Bart was gay to what if Homer was gay the, the height of comedy <laughs> truly truly the height of comedy hey 1999 different time I think of the commentary they even joke about like we sell out every character is gay if you give us enough time like Homer is getting very happy but Marge is seeing her dreams come true through Homer why won't you be art here he is this is where the magic happens wonderful news Homer is it about pies uh, um, no. We're going to hold a show devoted entirely to you. Wow. It's like Marge's dream come true for me. Isn't that great, Marge? For me. Homer really should have read the room there on that grumble, I would think. But that also makes you wonder, like, how stupid is Homer? And when he says, for me, it's just like, you know this is making her jealous. Come on. But uh, you feel I feel bad for Marge. I don't know. Should is Marge an unlikable person because she can't be happy for her spouse being yeah, successful? Yeah, I, I think so. Like I, I see. Like I feel like the, like you can do art, and your husband can do. I, I don't know. I, I I feel like she's. Or I know we're supposed to be like Homer's a dick, and like Mar. We feel like bad for Marge, but I feel like you know what? Like let Homer have his moment. And, like, you can do... It's not going to stop you from doing your own thing. And she can profit from this. They're part of the same household, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, yeah... I don't love it. I don't love it. Yeah, it could be I, want, I want more from Marge than to be, like, <laughs> just, like, bitter and jealous. And this could have been her in into the art world of, like, oh, well, if he's selling in the art world, I maybe me too. I, yeah. Well, it's also, like, one thing they don't say is that, like, well, why should you be jealous? You stopped painting. You never paint anymore, Marge. So it's not like him him getting the success is, be, is preventing you from selling the art you don't make anymore. Yes, uh, but she is saddled with all of the housework and child care. That is true. You know, I guess it is. Uh, so it's just like, it's, it's just a bummer all around. <laughs> like, it's just like, uh, not self-actualized enough to be an artist. And she's like a victim of like, gender oppression uh, yeah boy depressing episodes of yeah it's like kind of a bummer to marge always marge, i don't know you know what she has her own you know high points in her in her career explorations mm-hmm. this yeah. is not one of them this, this episode is not one of them oh. homer then is even reading about himself in art in america which is a real magazine that's still published to this day yeah started in 1913 so wow. it's real it's it's real 
I'm uh, I feel like they did that to get a reference in the magazine, but I don't know if they actually did. Uh, now it's owned by the same giant mega media conglomerate that owns like Condé Nast and Rolling Stone and all these things. Oh, oh really? I thought Condé Nast was the media conglomerate. No, or they were one above them Jeez. that bought them. Yeah, that everything's owned by like two things now. It's actually probably also owned by Disney. We just don't. Know <laughs> They're a subsidiary of Zinco. Well, I did read this company is owned by a hedge fund as well, or partially pushed up by a hedge fund. So, I mean, I'm sure soon enough there'll be a bunch more mass layoffs at, at Art in America. Love it. <laughs> always fun. Then there's a very random joke where Homer says, "Like you're not jealous of me and Barney went to Machu Picchu." <laughs> It just feels like a fun, like a comedy word. A fun word to say, yeah. Cucamonga. Uh, (laughs) And then there's like, after this, there's a classic Al Jean, and uh, uh, Mike Reese is no longer around, but in their era, they really like to, uh, you know, have the in-bed conversation. I think, number one, it, uh, you know, grounds the story a bit. It lets the characters reflect on what's happened. But I think number two, especially in their seasons, it let them reuse a lot of footage Mm. in case they wanted to say, well, the story's getting lost. Let's just cut in some in-bed footage. Because during those seasons, we definitely noticed, like, oh, they just reuse this bed scene from another episode just yeah. to sort of uh, refresh the audience's memory as to what the stakes are. Yeah, the, this is at least original. They're not yeah. using it old. Now it would be so, in season 10, if you saw a shot from season 3, you'd be like, whoa, what is this episode? Yeah. I think he was much more confident coming back to the show than he was as a showrunner, for sure. Mm-hmm. I like, too, that Homer at least will recognize later that he's being selfish, but uh, I, I like how Marge says, like, uh, well, you know, if you're happy, then I guess nothing else matters. And he's like, now you understand. Like, that that sums up Homer pretty well, I think. Uh, also, though, that Homer would be turned on if she entered a belching contest. <laughs> I, I like that as well. Uh, but so Homer Homer has this big premiere. Uh, there's a line that gets cut there. If you wonder why it seems weird where Isabella Rossellini's character says he's a, one of the most dangerous artists. And then it just cuts to that feels like a setup for a joke and there's no joke. The joke was she says this line. You snorted my father's ashes. Or he snorted my father's ashes. Yeah, I did hear the line, and I think Al Jean was like, uh, with her accent, it was just it didn't read very well mm-hmm. because he was like, she kept saying, She's he snorted my father's ashes. Like mm-hmm. that. Like uh, the intonations were off, so you couldn't really tell what she was saying. Yeah, so they just they just cut it. Which probably I think too, it sounded like asses. So she's <laughs> like, well, then the, it just confuses things and in the moment. I it just it's a weird like did Homer think it was cocaine or something? Is yeah, is that what's happening is Homer here? Doing cocaine with these fancy celebrities. <laughs> Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, it's the art. I feel like I don't know that much about the art world, even though I am. I do uh, do art, but uh, I imagine it's pretty cokey. I think just with any field, once you hit a certain level of success, that's when the cocaine comes in. Like, even with podcasting, there's got to be like the, the co- <laughs> I feel like podcasting, like, out of all of those, is probably like. I guess it could. I guess it's. Co- I guess everything's cokey when you get up there. <laughs> I mean, once you have enough money, you just yeah. gotta spend something with it. Now that I, I think about it, cocaine would be a good podcasting drug. Just never <laughs> shut up and. You're just yeah. like, oh my god! Like we're talking. Like we're just talking. I'm like we are so <laughs> smart and we're talking. That's why it's like pot is more the fuel of uh, most podcasts. Though the me and Bob are sober all the way. I'm drinking some uh, nice black coffee right now. <laughs> it's also like 10 or 11 a.m. So. What I ever wonder, it's something, it was, you know, it was something I learned about Hollywood of just like, oh, why are all these people just like weird or off balance? They're like, oh, they're mostly doing cocaine. That's why. (laughs) That's the the real reason. 
Yeah. Uh, but yes, Homer even puts on nicer shoes. Did you notice that? He's oh, not yeah. got his usual cloven hooves. <laughs> he has like white tips on him or something. I don't know shoes, but they're nice shoes. It's funny that at the same uh, opening that Homer is at, Barney is there and his Yoko Ono ex-girlfriend is there at the same oh, time. Oh, that's awkward so, for them. Pretty awkward. <laughs> This episode has a number of jokes that are reused, <laughs> starting with a deadly birdhouse that kills a bird. Yeah, it's uh, it's a cutaway joke in uh, Saturdays of Thunder, the season three episode where Homer's talking about all the things that he built. And one of them is like in that birdhouse and it's just a smashed birdhouse. <laughs> and Bob is a bird owner. Uh, I'm sure you didn't appreciate the bird. Di- they make sure you know the bird dies. Yeah, we need an everybody hates birds jingle because oh, of yeah. all the uh, bird violence we encounter in these cartoons. <laughs> all right, I'm going to make it. And people here right now. Everybody hates birds, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, Homer's debut doesn't go so well. Finally, my thing to resistance attempted birdhouse. One. Shall we start the bidding at, say, $10,000? All right. How about a million? I'll give you two bucks for the bird, if it's still alive. What's going on here? You weirdos love this stuff. Homer, I'm afraid they only love what's new and shocking. These pieces are just like your earlier work. You've gone from hip to boing. Why don't you call us when you get to kitsch? <laughs> come on, Gunther Kyoto. If we hurry, we can still catch the heroin craze. Mm. <laughs> Wait, come back! I'm a god to you! Worship me! Or fear my wrath! Or please fear my wrath! Please! Call me... It's interesting that uh, I think an issue with uh, the Algae and Mike Reese episodes when they came back was the, like, the episode ended in the second act and the third act was just sort of meandering. I don't think this is as extreme, but I feel like Homer's story is done here. Like Homer, he faces comeuppance for being too, uh, getting too big of a head mm-hmm. and sort of rubbing his success in Marge's face. So I feel like the story does feel like it's over now. Yeah, you know, most Homer gets a new job episodes. He loses the job at the end of the episode, but, but here he loses it at, in act two. It, it feels like they, I mean, it makes room for the more romantic stuff that comes in the second act and, and a lot more like art jokes, but yet uh, I think it loses something by getting rid of the art scene so quickly. They introduce them and then they're gone immediately. But I, I like the clever, it's almost too clever, but I love that line of like, why don't you call us when you get to kitsch? Like, that's a cl- that's a good art burn. I there. did like a yeah, stifled, that's a good one. his stifled laugh was good. He can't, he's too serious to just completely laugh. Oh, yeah. He's got to <laughs> just cram it down. <laughs> uh, and they're, they're not on coke now. They're on to heroin, these guys. Oh, yeah. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> that sounds like a real health risk for those guys. It'll cut down on your productivity, if anything. That must be why we don't see them again. I bet they all just overdosed. <laughs> They're dead. Yeah, they, all, they all died. <laughs> uh, so, yes, Homer is defeated. When he comes back from break, he's crying on the ground and wondering, why don't people like his stuff anymore? I do wonder if Al Jean is channeling a little bit of his anger towards critical uh, appraisal of Teen Angel, perhaps. Mm. I don't know if he really believed in Teen Angel that much. No, that's true. I, it sounded like a thing to finish out your yeah. uh, three-year deal at Disney. It's like, here's a softball we can throw at TGIF. Yeah, ha- Teen Angel? How about that? That's a thing. That worked. 
Yes, that's also where another callback happens, where Homer references Ray J. Johnson. Oh, that's right. Which, that was a joke in season four, and Krusty gets canceled. You can call me Ray. You can call me Jay. Uh, got old after about five minutes. That's the se- six seconds. He six seconds. Six. Wow, I gave him too much time. So, yeah, uh, this sucks, but uh, the guy who was Ray J. Johnson or did that bit, Bill Saluga... From my hometown of Youngstown, Ohio, and I recommend if you want the full history of Bill Saluga, you go out and you find the episode of the Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast that he guested on. You can hear all about him growing up in the Youngstown theater scene in like the 50s or 60s or something like that, but... He has an interesting career, and he like he's, he lives off of the Ray J. Johnson money. Still? Still, yes. If you were that famous in, like, 1973 or whenever it happened, you have, <laughs> are, you're made for life. There were, like, there were three channels, and you were on one of them once. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you know, it also, I forgot to mention on the date thing, it's funny, Homer mentions the Brush with Greatness plot, because, I, I double-checked this, this episode aired April 11th, 1999, Brush with Greatness aired... In 1991, on April 11th as well. Wow. It was the eight-year anniversary of that Oh, eight years. Episode. Wow. Wow. Jeez. It's, uh, I don't know if that timing was intentional, but it's I would, pretty impressive. That is cool. I like that. Nice coincidence. Yeah. Which, like, now to think about eight years separate those two episodes then, like, even that just makes me feel old. Like, uh, I had gone through, like, when I saw that in 99, I was remembering an episode I saw when I was nine. Or, no, eight. I was eight when I saw it. Like. Yeah. But uh, but yes, yeah, so Homer needs to find new inspiration. Marge takes him to the museum, the same museum from Lost Our Lisa that they broke into. To, oh, yeah. Uh, to well, see the Orb of Isis. Were the openings happening at uh, that same museum too earlier? It feels like they go back to the museum like three times in this episode. Yeah. Uh, no, this museum... This was the big museum they went to where okay. the elite meet Magritte. Yeah. The other one was like American Louvre. It was more of like uh, a small okay. installation where Homer was selling stuff. Uh, but yes, they head to the museum and where they meet a familiar face. It's so exciting to do something cultural together. Matt Graying? What's he doing in a museum? He can barely draw. Ow! Oh no! I'm being erased! Move it, bub. We got an installation to installate. Mmm, a class Oldenburg. He's a European who defied convention and embraced American popular culture. He must be a hundred feet tall. <laughs> now this is a Joseph Turner. In an era when everyone else painted portraits, he broke away by painting the Venetian canals. It's glorious. The streets are paved with water. You could ride a walrus to work. And Picasso started out painting realistically, then moved on to cubism. By the end of his life, he was just painting crank letters to the editor. They call it his angry jerk period. Eh. Split P. (gasps) With him! (laughs) I did like that joke. I like that one. Getting excited, I was like, of course it will have ham in it. I think they they don't make (laughs) it without ham. They uh, they reflect in the commentary of how, like, wow, Springfield's got a pretty amazing art <laughs> museum. That's true. And the first time I think uh, the name Matt Groening has been said, Matt Groening will eventually be on the show in, like, five or six years. It was pretty surreal to hear Homer say Matt Groening. Yeah. Which uh, Life in Hell has been displayed in at least one museum, the Museum of Contemporary Arts. Nice. In L.A. in 2005. This is where... Oh, 
it definitely deserves there. Uh, deserves to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also this episode. Uh, what I don't like about it, like thematically, is that it drifts away from modern art to be like, well, here's a bunch of references you probably know. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, it's like when we see the Joseph Turner painting, that's like the 18th century. So it's yeah. just like we're no longer in modern art anymore. And then we see things like uh, Michelangelo and uh, you know Dolly and things like that. I mean, I think uh, they're just kind of drifting around. Like, okay, here are some things you might have recognized. Like, I think the audience would not know modern art as much as they would know like. <laughs> classical art pieces yeah yeah although yeah. i think dolly is modern art yeah uh yeah i i get yeah, i like modern is like 20 is it's like 1914 is modern art yeah that's true basically yeah. picasso would be in there too yeah i did like uh well that picasso joke it wasn't my favorite but it did remind me of one of my favorite picasso jokes in that tv fun house with the picasso the life of picasso cartoon where he says like i'm gonna break you down to q yeah that's, that's right that's i did cool. like that uh, but I I do like seeing Marge kind of come alive discussing art. Like it does feel like she's excited to share an interest she never gets to talk about and actually knows a whole lot about. It is for the benefit of Homer, who's like, I'm going to go to sleep now, Marge. That's yeah. <laughs> you, you we were saying this to each other before, but it's it's not the most. Um, clever way to go into a dream sequence of like i'm gonna lay down <laughs> they should have just like uh hung a lantern on and be like uh it's time for a dream sequence marge <laughs> he just shuts his eyes but i do like uh, homer's reductive way of saying like i can never think of something as brilliant as a soup or a pencil that i do like that because that's, that's a good line yeah those kind of like modernist things like that that is something that really i think you hear about how people turned on art and uh, the the common folk turned on art because they'd see things like, you know, paintings of soup cans that are just like recreations of it. Yeah. And they're like, how is that art? How's that worth a bunch of money? Or like the common refrain of uh, my kid could do that, where if you yes. go to an art gallery and you see like, it just like, oh, it's just a painting of a square or whatever. And people are just confused as to why that's art. Because art is a troll. <laughs> That's, Somebody uh, got yeah. away with it. That's that. that that's what. That's why it's there. Yes, exactly. And then when and it's it's easy to feel rejected by modern art when if you feel like well this doesn't look like a real painting then you feel like you're judged for wanting a painting to just be pretty of like oh stupid oh stupid, you like dumb, representational dumb. art <laughs> dumb dumb what a child yeah the out of Warhol's dozens and dozens of uh, soup cans they felt split pea was the funniest that I mean with ham that's a funny addition from Homer and you know that was a conversation that was like a 20 minute conversation about what kind of soup <laughs> would be the funniest one? I'd say cream of mushroom mm, my boy. second choice yeah Cream is you got the c word you got a c word. And cream, cream is funny. Cream, cream is, is funny. A lot. It's it's also dirty. So you have that. But I guess Homer would be more into ham. He would That's be true. Yeah. Uh, so, ham man. <laughs> so Homer has a dream sequence where he meets a bunch more famous art pieces. I do. I mean. Stephen Dean Moore and his team, like they did such a great job animating motion for famous art pieces that look both like they exist in the Simpsons world, but also recognizably like their uh, originals. Dolly's dripping clock, or uh, I though I do think if you're gonna do the Vituvrian man, just draw his penis. Like yeah. come on, just. Uh, I feel like Fox told them they couldn't draw a penis, but it's like it's uh, everyone's seen it. They in season two they got away with dra- drawing David's penis, but they can't draw this one. I like that uh, they're all just trying to murder him in this dream. <laughs> it's even like Andy. So it's not even like Andy Warhol's painting. It's Andy Warhol throwing soup cans and then trying to bludgeon him to death with a giant one. Yeah. So he's just a murderer. 
I do like Homer's Andy. No, <laughs> Andy. He at least knows who Andy Warhol is. The, that's that's surprising for Homer there. Uh, but yeah, as Homer wakes up, he then is still has no inspiration. He is back in the exact same spot, which almost makes the museum thing seem unnecessary, almost. Other than the inspiration Homer gets for the canals, uh, there's he just ends up back where he was for the next scene. Uh, and then Lisa explains Christo to Homer, which I also didn't know about, but... I knew um, about his stunts, his various stunts. He's like a supervillain of the art world. So, yeah, I was very sad to find out that joke wasn't a joke, and he did those umbrellas did kill someone. I, oh, shit, I didn't know that. I, I yeah. that was a joke. I've seen this episode plenty of times, and I assume, like, well, Christo is real, and the thing he did was real, but I think the Lisa thing is just a joke, because, like, that's ridiculous. But no, on October 26, 1991, one of the umbrellas in California was toppled by high winds, killing one woman and injuring several others. The exhibit was ordered closed immediately, and then a second death occurred during the removal of the umbrella. Somebody was struck by lightning while removing the giant metal rod out of the earth. So Christo must be brought to justice. Jeez, that's... That's That's cursed. Because it's a Christo cursed. That's, uh, no, that's, that's very sad. Yeah, this poor... Uh, the the one I'd read about the one crushed by the thing her name her name was Lori Keevil Matthews just so the world can know her name like one of my greatest fears in life is to be killed in a very stupid way because that's what you're known for and it's like oh yeah, yeah. Bob Mackie killed by a giant umbrella what a sucker <laughs> can you oh, imagine God. yeah I hope she at least got her family got some money she was only thirty three also that's so young oh. Uh, but uh, small price to pay for art on the roads of Bakersfield. <laughs> Killer right? umbrellas. Yes. <laughs> so that honestly makes the joke seem l- less tasteful because it's about real dead people. Not even they've even been dead a year, uh, ten years. Yeah, yes, a decade. Yeah. <laughs> um, they could have been alive to watch uh, uh, Homer. To, sorry, um, Brush with Greatness. They could have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, R.I.P. the victims of Cristo. Uh, so. <laughs> So then it turns into a Homer zany scheme, like a real extreme zany scheme after... Oh, wait, actually, let's hear about the killer umbrellas. Well, Dad, if the museum didn't inspire you, maybe you should do something really radical, like Christo. Is he that jerk that revealed the magician's secrets? No, Christo is a conceptual artist who does huge outdoor projects. He once wrapped the Reichstag in plastic. Not the Reichstag! Oh, yes, and he also set up hundreds of yellow umbrellas along the California highway. Why'd you do that? To make the world a more magical place, I guess. Although they did blow over and kill some people. Killer umbrellas? Of course. Exquisite. Oh, Dad, no, my point is you have to do something big and daring. Big? Daring? Lisa, that's it! I've got an idea for a wonderful art project that'll make everyone love me again. So Homer plans. Homer's plan, I would think, killed dozens of people. At Lots the of people least. on the first floors of buildings. Yeah. <laughs> what Homer asleep. ultimately does is far more killer than Christo's plan. So I think he actually does have a murderous line here. I I like also. It's it's a weird transition to collecting a bunch of doormats that that's going to plug. Every great, I mean, this is an insane scheme. This is this is Bugs Bunny sawing off yeah. uh, Florida. From we're really on a ride here of suspending. Our I say it's up there with moving the town twenty miles down the road, where yeah. it's just like uh, there's a lot of uh, credibility that needs to be extended here to this plot, where it's like, well, of course the ground should absorb the water and things like that. It's like, what's happening? Just because you plug the sewers, it's very strange. And also, water shouldn't be blue anyway. It would be filled. Well, I 
mean, now we know what a flooded town looks like. It's not so fun. No. Uh, um, after, after say, 2005, uh, certainly not fun to see. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is just like, this is zany, pure zaniness here. And mixed in with some Bart abuse, the Bart gets like torn apart by bears and tigers, and Homer doesn't seem to care at all. Though he cares enough to not to put snorkels on the animals to try to not let them drown. I would think those goats still drown. Yeah, yeah. They're just going to chew right through that scuba gear. Snorkel or no. (laughs) So Homer killed lots of animals too in this plan. Let's remember that. (laughs) Uh, But yes, Homer floods the entire city. Also wastes like, I mean, billions in water. Like he is going to jail. Uh, But that's... That's another callback line. It, well, not callback, but like familiar line. Yeah, that's for the course of the side. That's um, from Lisa's Pony, where uh, he's talking about, you're going to keep the pony in the garage, he'll sleep nestled between the cars, and Marge is like, that's illegal! And Homer says, that's for the course of the side. So, <laughs> yeah. it's a fun line, and it might be intentional, but he is calling back to an episode that he wrote, yeah, Lisa's yeah. Pony. So, I, I mean, it could just be like, I wanted that to be Homer's catchphrase, and that would fit for many reasons in Homer's life, that's for the course to the side. It's a good catchphrase. <laughs> The whole town gets flooded. We get some uh, very silly jokes about, say, oatmeal filling up, or a uh, that did make me hungry for oatmeal. The burn ward joke. I mean, what's going on in Springfield that there's so many burned people they need a whole <laughs> building full of them? Like, That's a giant ward. I get maybe they are getting all burned at the te- power plant. I could see that. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and so, yes, the entire town is flooded, and everyone loves it. Behold my latest work! What have you done? It's conceptual art. The Grand Canals of Springfield. Just like Venice without the Black Plague. What do you think? I think some people are going to be upset. I love it, Homer. You've turned this town into a work of art. I just wish Jasper Johns hadn't stolen my boat. So long, suckers. Well, they're in the business. Real people might not be so understanding. What the flood? Mud. It's a miracle. The Lord has drowned the wicked and spared the righteous. <gasps> Isn't that Homer Simpson? <sighs> Looks like heaven's easier to get into than Arizona State. <laughs> Model find out soon. Oh, I hate these flood pants. Oh, hey, they're working. My feet are soaked, but my cups are bone dry. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Another classic line. A classic Ooh. moment. Yeah. So, like, Why do we give that line of the episode? Sure. Actually, that's the joke. This episode has a surprising amount of uh, memed lines and yeah. uh, very, very, you know, uh, remembered lines too. And kind of an iconic episode. Millis had no idea he was wearing stylish capri pants <laughs> before they were fashionable. Well, I guess they're flood pants on boys. Is that they, there's that like a like high, they're high water pants, they're flood pants, they're okay. capris. It's whatever whatever like high high legged pants you want to wear. <laughs> I remember this line independent of the episode. Like same with why doesn't mine look like that? I just in my mind I never put those memes in the episode Mom and Pop Art. Yeah, know? I never think of why there's a flood in his house. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the flood. Well, also like if you guys don't make your own gif of it and you use the gif that somebody uploaded that's on the Twitter autofill gif thing, it's the one that has Patrick Starr behind him for no reason and that's I'll weird. know if you stole it instead of just made your own gif from Freaky. I think yeah. that was the gif maker putting their own stamp. Like you're going to steal this gif that I made. I'm going to put something in the background. <laughs> reveal it the i believe it was dan graney in our interview that said he 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 had pitched this joke 
that he also was like he couldn't he was I, I believe he said he was surprised that everything's coming up millhouse just became this like catchphrase because all he did was take everything's coming up roses, roses yeah. and replace it with millhouse but uh, you never know what's going to stick, you know? Maybe it's not. Maybe they thought what the flood was going to be the big catch. <laughs> That's new catchphrase all over the t-shirts. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of Dan Graney, I was surprised that this was an Al script because it feels like Dan Graney would write. He, like, loves art. He's, like, oh. very, like, ver- versed in the art world. Really? Okay. Yeah. I thought, I thought this was a Graney episode, but I was wrong. Those Harvard boys. <laughs> Maybe he added in a lot of the references there. I, he, he is like a great art like reference base, I feel like. I wonder Gra- if, yeah, Grainy knows a lot about art. I wonder if that's where Simpsons Millions are going into as an art collection. I think, I don't know, but I have a feeling he is a good art collection. Okay. I've talked to him a lot about art. We'll have to ask him if we interview him again. Yeah. Uh, so something that I just remembered is that uh, I don't think it was referenced on uh, this commentary, but I believe on another commentary, Al Jean said for his return to The Simpsons, he was writing this script in lines at Disneyland, like, oh, taking yeah, his kids yeah. there. So uh, <laughs> that's just where this script was written. So not a lot of Disney stuff worked its way in. <laughs> it's pretty useful, at least, that while you're waiting in line, you got to... You got to do something while taking care of kids. There was no Twitter in 1998 to scroll through while you're waiting (laughs) in line. Yeah, how was he writing it? He didn't have a smartphone. Probably just like a legal pad or something. That's so (laughs) funny to picture. Can't can't take that on Splash Mountain, though. Uh, I, you know, now nobody can write their scripts in line because they're just looking at Twitter while they're in lines now. Yeah, it's, but you could, you could note zap it. No, uh, that's true. Good um, final draft express. My ability to write has been killed by Twitter. If I, oh yeah, for sure. I used to write like reviews of things or articles expressing essay, essay link thoughts on video games and, or TV shows. Now I just like, if I can say it in three tweets, I'll just do that. People's ability to read has been destroyed by Twitter. Like I just discovered an old blog of mine last night i was like wow i would just sit down and write two thousand words about a movie i saw like when when did i have the time for this did i assume people I know, would read this no time anymore because all of our time is spent tweeting uh but hey better than being on facebook i still say oh yeah nobody wants to hey, al's on twitter he's always tweeting oh yeah he, he adds it up a lot <laughs> no, he always does the he always does the at the simpsons that is in every one of his tweets yeah that's it's curious. a bit it's a bit strange but uh he's learning <laughs> But hey, the, honestly, good for him. Yeah, he's almost he's almost show. sixty. It's yeah. uh, it's a new technology. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, everything's coming at Millhouse. I guess we should also mention that like our friendly competition, the other uh, Simpsons podcast. That's where they got their yeah name from as well. Our our buddies Ali and Julia, and they're coming back with uh, the Springfield Files. Round Springfield. Round Springfield. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I made up a different name for their podcast. By the way. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but anyway, I felt it uh, should should be mentioned there. The the song "Everything's Coming Up Roses" that's from Gypsy. The, I thought uh, so. The classic music. So it's funny that everything's coming <laughs> up roses. Oh, you're thank such you, a great singer. That's awesome. I think I, it... I love that musical. I saw it on Broadway wow. with Ooh. Patty Lapone. Oh, so with Patty Lapone. Wow. Henry's a big it super was fan. So good. It was so, so good. I guess it does make sense, like, to comment on Milhouse's character that he would reference a uh, popular, you know, Broadway oh, song. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it does feel like a Milhouse. A, uh, that feels like another gay joke, honestly, on Milhouse's yeah. part then, too. What if also Milhouse was gay? <laughs> he would then reciprocate. And so <laughs> Everybody isn't drowned somehow. A lion is swimming, which, again, that was in Bart the Daredevil. So another, like, old joke coming back there. They're feeding a popcorn. Oh, and the and the later the lion is laying with the lamb, which that was just in the last episode we oh, did the yeah. Bible stories. Bible stories. 
but we have a romantic ending set to the Dean Martin song, Arrivederci Roma. Edna, I'm going to pop you a question. I hope the answer is yes. You think Mother would like this hat pin? Oh, yes. Oh, you've made me the happiest man on earth. Admit, you created something people really love. You truly are an artist. No, I'm just a nut who couldn't build a barbecue. You'll always be the artist in the family. <sighs> is that our house? Yep. And is that us on the roof? That's us. Are we kissing? Oh, I don't know. Could be. I need some inspiration. But yeah, this uh, this this song is a cover because uh, oh. I tried to have. I was like, I don't feel like looking this up. I'm gonna ask Shazam what the song is. It's like, I'm sorry, I don't know this song, so I assume it's that's why it's a cover. Uh, okay, yeah. It, Dean Martin originated it, but yeah, I bet you. It's a sound alike. Kip Lennon. Yeah, uh, they probably is somebody like that. Yeah, <laughs> a Dean Martin uh, ish figure. Yeah, a Dean Martin original probably would be more expensive. I when Skinner and Edna show back up, I did go like, oh yeah, that was uh, early in this episode. But that uh, the hat pin uh, popping of the question, that was funny. I did like that. Yeah, that's good. Any hat pin joke I'm a a fan of. Every hat. uh, For all the old ladies out there who love their hat pins. What is a hat pin? What's a hat pin? It's like... Keep your um, little hat on? When ladies would wear dress hat, when ladies would wear fashionable hats... Um, and hats were like just part of fashion for men and women. Uh, I believe women would just pin the hat to their hair with a hat pin, like a large pin. Love that. So, Love that for yeah. us, us women in our tiny hats. Wind, wind blows your hats away too much. We should all be getting those hats. I'm gonna get a hat pin. I think. Uh, man, so many accessorizing you could do with that hat pin. I think I could rock a hat pin. There's got to be some bright yellow ones. I just oh, I just know sure. that um, from like watching old sitcoms and all the jokes about, you know, wives spending their husband's monies on new hats. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so many hat box jokes in yeah. like uh, Bewitched or whatever. I know. I feel like I, I know so much about hat boxes for someone who's like, Never, maybe even seen one in real life. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta put those hats somewhere. Uh, I mean, we're the slobs putting our hats just on the floor or whatever. I mean, no, fuck. <laughs> on a hook. A you gotta get your hats reappointed and then kept in a nice box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this crazy wow. ending with the drawing over it is is wild, but at least it in- inspired Marge to paint again. Yeah, I, yeah. It's a it's a cute ending in that way. But this this uh, act of terror <laughs> helps uh, help make one painting come to life. We do get to hear Jasper John say "yoink" at the very end. That's there. true. So that was uh, cute. He got uh, Homer didn't say "so long, suckers" in this episode, but Jasper John's did. Yeah, but I love uh, a yoink. Uh, and and to make a famous artist say "yoink" is even funnier. I agree. So I guess uh, final thoughts on this. Uh, I, I welcome the return of Al Jean. It's nice to see him back. And we're going to be talking a lot about Al Jean over the next uh, thousand years of our podcast. Yeah, because until we retire, I suppose. Yeah, or <laughs> when we, whenever we catch up, which hopefully will be never. No, you I got don't. a lifetime of Jean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was fun. It uh, This was a fun episode to go back into, to just remember all the memes in it. I think uh, I'd forgotten a lot of the stuff. There's some jokes that don't totally work for me, and I, I think it uh, it abandons the Homer's job thing for a zany 
zany plot a little too early. And Mr. Burns is even there. Yeah. He'd be like, why aren't you at work? <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's it's a fun episode that, uh, you know, it, it lets you see what the future of Al... I think it is a peek into Al Jean's era on The Simpsons. Even though it's a Scully run one, I think this definitely has the feel of solo Al Jean show running to it for sure. Like mm-hmm. like, like you'll see in season 13. Yeah. Any uh, final thoughts on this, Kate, before we let you go? I liked it. I I was nine when this came out. So this was like peak me <laughs> being a kid watching Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So like I do remember this episode and like I think like the le- the later Scully years especially are like the ones that are the most drilled into my brain. So I think it's just like it's nice to watch it again. And and uh, this might be my favorite one of my favorite eras of the Simpsons. So I, I liked it. Excellent. Will this inspire you on an upcoming Kate paint stream? Maybe. Hey, if, if you're you hear, if you're listening to this and you wanna request a painting, you can you can make me paint Homer watching Lenny and Carl shower or whatever. <laughs> if we if we hear about horrible floods hitting LA, we'll know it was you. Exactly. <laughs> I need to yeah, yeah, inspire me. I might kill some people in my art. I mean if it's, if Christo can do it. It's better than fire. I say start the floods now to fight the f- eventual fires, which are exactly. always happening. Why hasn't anyone thought of that? Uh, so thanks a lot for being on the show, Kate. Can you please plug everything you're doing right now? You've got a lot of things going on. Um, I have uh, Jack AM, which is my daily morning Twitch talk show that I do with my husband, Jack. That's twitch.tv slash Jack AM. We do it at 7 a.m. Pacific every weekday. And then I also have this podcast is self-care, my podcast that I do with Drew Spears. Check that out. We also have a Patreon for that. And then I have my own Patreon for zines. I'm doing uh, comic zines that I write and illustrate every month. That's patreon.com slash Catreon, C-A-I-T-R-E-O-N. And I'm at Kate Raft, (sighs) C-A-I-T-R-A-F-T, everywhere. (laughs) Oh, and red and yellow, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a red and yellow show. If you're in LA, um, my sketch uh, comedy duo that I do with Joan Haley Ford, we have a show on December 12th at UCB Sunset. Awesome. Exciting. And well, thank you so much, Kate, for coming back. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a true delight. So thanks again to Kate for being on the show. And as for us, if you want to help support us and everything that we do, please head on over to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to support the Talking Simpsons Network, which this podcast is part of. If you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and donate at the $5 level, you will have access to every podcast that we do that is Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon one week ahead of time and ad-free. And also, there are over 100 bonus podcasts that you haven't heard if you're not part of the $5 level on the Patreon. That includes all of our limited miniseries to date, and that also includes our newest miniseries that's happening right now, Talking Futurama Season 2. We're going through Season 2 of Talking Futurama in the Talking Simpsons style. If you love Talking Simpsons and Futurama, you're gonna love it. And if you aren't on the Patreon, you're missing it right now. Mm -hmm. So please check it out at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And Henry can tell everybody out there what is happening at the 10 dollar level extra long podcast every month perfect to uh supplement your disney plus subscription which i'm sure <laughs> you are uh, subscribing to right now it is now law in america and yes. if you're not we'll find out and tip off the police henry please let them know you're not a true citizen without it but uh, yes if you want all of those five dollar benefits plus a little extra for ten dollars a month at the premium level you get our monthly what a cartoon movie podcast where me and bob talk about a different animated feature film in depth 
for over four hours in some cases. Our most recent ones included The Nightmare Before Christmas and Toy Story. You can hear both of those and the huge backlog of them as well if you sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons so as for me i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. you can find me on twitter as bob servo my other podcast is retronauts that is a classic gaming podcast every monday and occasionally on friday please head on over to retronauts.com or just search for retronauts in your podcast machine if you enjoyed video games or have ever played a video game i'm sure you can find a topic that you will like Henry, how about you? You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. It's when I tweet out any new stuff that's going on on our podcast or whenever I go to a Simpsons table read. I also tweet about that. You'll learn all about it there. Plus, as long as we're talking about Twitter, there's the official Talking Simpsons Twitter account. You guys should definitely be following it at Talk Simpsons Pod. Please check that out on Twitter. Subscribe to both that and my account, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week with the episode The Old Man and the Sea Student, and we'll see you then. It's time for us to part. Say the wedding bells for my returning Keep my lover's arms outstretched and yearning Please be sure the flame of love keeps burning in her this house along the 